0: Welcome to the Meta Woman podcast. We address the issues, opportunities, and challenges
1: facing women in the development of the metaverse. The biggest revolution since the internet itself. Every week, we bring you conversations with top female talent and business executives operating in the gaming and crypto industries. Here's your host, Lindsay,
0: the boss, Poss. The Meta Woman podcast starts now. Hello, and welcome to the Meta Woman podcast, part of the Holodeck Media Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lindsay the Boss Boss, and from Struggle to Success, we're covering it all. To our returning listeners, thank you so much for supporting the show. I so enjoy getting your feedback. Thank you all so much for being supportive and wonderful. For the new listeners, welcome. I hope you enjoy, and I hope you'll come back next week. We're going to have so much fun today with our guest, Jennifer Tung. Did I say that right? Tong? Tong. Like, eh. tongue, tongue. I thought so. <laughs> yeah. um, Jennifer has her own co- coaching and consulting business. She's the owner and curator of the online boutique Celestial Body and is in the programming, partnerships, and internal operations manager for Sugar Gamers. You may remember from our very first episode when we had Sugar Gamers founder Keisha Howard. She's also a burgeoning crypto investor, which is what we're going to talk about today. Jennifer, welcome to the show. To start, I'd love for you to give the audience a bit of yourself and your background because it is varied and I know I didn't cover
1: it all. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. You did a great job. Um, Hello, everyone. I am Jennifer Tong, Colorado, born and raised, uh, but Chicago's been my home for the last 20 some years. Um, DePaul alumni, Emerson College alumni for grad school. And I thoroughly enjoyed my time in, in both cities, respectively, and had the opportunity to meet amazing people and some of my best and dearest friends and colleagues during that time. Um, professionally, uh, over the last 15 or so years, I've worked in a multitude of industries, uh, most prominently in digital and traditional media, including social media, um, e-commerce, technology, and, of course, gaming. Um, I've held various positions within all of those Um ranging from a visual artistry consultant to a brand manager, program manager, operation strategy, HR, columnist for local publications, like you name it. I've I've probably done it. Um, And today I come to you as a now part of my consultancy for professional thought partnership, brand management, process consulting and visual branding and identity. Um, I am the owner of Celestial Body Shop, a body jewelry and accessory boutique as well as a crypto enthusiast and self-taught investor, which brings me to you today.
0: Yes, which I'm so excited about because I I really, well, I guess I really want to start by painting a picture of where women and especially minority women are with crypto investing. I was, I was so excited to find you and to talk to you about this. Um, and it's it's a little bit difficult to find exact data. And of course, anecdotally, we know that women and um And minorities are underrepresented in in the crypto space. But according to one survey done by CNBC, men are twice as likely to invest in crypto as women. This varies greatly by region. Um, One survey done in Turkey actually showed an even distribution of men and women investors in crypto. In the U.S., it's more the two to one. Uh, There's some obvious disparities in many other regions in the world. Uh, One survey had some interesting results. And I'm going to read a quote here. According to a recent study by BlockFi focused on the shifting attitudes towards cryptocurrency, 92% of the women surveyed here have heard about crypto, with almost 1 in 4, 24%, already owning some. In contrast, 80% still find it difficult to understand, and 72% believe investing is too risky. So we can see that there's some hesitancy and attitudes and that while a lot of women are aware of crypto, there's not a lot of excitement around it. Um, I want to talk to you today about how you've been wading into the world of crypto, how you've processed the huge deluge of information and what things you found that you actually like. I think part of the scariest part of investing is that there's both way too much information and not enough information. And it's just so hard to figure out what you yourself need and where to find those. So I'm thinking of this as a crypto investing 101 session. Um, and the usual disclaimer, none of this is investment advice, but this can give you the tools to maybe go out and do some research on your own. So I wanna start with the obvious, what drew you into crypto investing?
1: Um, really just, pure curiosity. Um, I remember around like 2012, 2013, I was hearing a lot more about Bitcoin and this new currency that was changing the financial landscape. And honestly, I just did not understand it at all. I didn't get the hype. I didn't see how people were just throwing money at something that was, um, not tangible and no guarantee for a return. Just a lot of like whys and how's, how's this even work. Um, and I did look a little bit more into, like, okay, well, how, um, which is how I came across uh, Coinbase. Um, and then I hit a big decision of, do I really want to risk um, uh Putting like some of my like hard earned cash, like at this time in my life, I was just getting settled in the career track, um, really enjoying where I was and felt like I worked really hard to get, you know, these little coins that I got here. I don't want to just give them away and like see what happens, you know, Um, which is that that risk that you were speaking about before. Um, And so I did not invest in Bitcoin at that time. Um, And. I, I still continue to watch it and, you know, see how it like fluctuates up and downs for the years to come. And then it was around about like 20, 2020, I think is when I really like started to consider like, maybe I should look at this a little bit more. Um, I think it was around like October or November when Bitcoin really had that like breakout and it like crossed like the yeah. 15,000 mark, verging on like 20,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I was like, huh. I probably should have put that 100 bucks in like a couple of years ago, you know? Um, so 2020 um, was literally 2020 for me, and I kicked myself in the butt multiple times. Like, I could have a couple extra thousand right now if I had have been willing to get past my own perceptions of finances and risk and um, everything that's associated with that, and just be like, okay here I go, let, let me take that risk and like take the jump because I think things would be a little bit different now <laughs> if I had done that. Um, so that's, that's really just how I got um, more involved with the investing piece was just knowing that I missed out on that opportunity a few years ago. Um, so from then um, forward, I started looking at like Ethereum and some of the other coins that were um, starting to be considered stable and, and get into investing that way.
0: That makes sense. I remember my freshman year of college, a lot of my um, dorm mates and and floor mates were buying their first crypto, their first bitcoins for around four to five hundred dollars per coin. Yeah. And... At the time I thought, no way, that's you know, I was eighteen years old, no
1: way. Right? Definitely didn't have four hundred dollars. That's, that's a lot at that time. Like at that time in your yeah. life, four oh, or five yeah. hundred dollars. Like hold on. Like over half of my net worth. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I worked a whole week for that. <laughs> you <know? Right>. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I do remember, and I, I've been thinking about that as I got ready to prepare for this podcast, because obviously it's a lot easier to say now, oh yeah, I should have just spent the $400, yeah, but, yeah. You know, at 18, that was a lot of money.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's like they say, hindsight is very clear and very bright when you look back at everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so speaking of that, one of the biggest problems I have is that there's just so much info out there. Yeah. Just Googling how to invest can lead you down a crazy rabbit hole. You can try to talk to people on Discord or Reddit, but that usually just makes the problem worse and sort of running into crypto fanatics. And it's just so hard to figure out what sources of information. I know you mentioned Coinbase as one. Yeah. But how did you begin to determine what resources were actually helpful and what do
1: you look for? Um, You know, just like you, I I went down like the Reddit, um, the Reddit black hole. You know, once you find one interesting post, it just kind of keeps circling down. Um, I looked at those. I was looking at medium. Um, I I considered them more like, what are the streets saying? Um, Because there are so many different, like, entry points into the space, Um, so many coins, uh, tokens, and and others that are active and making moves, like, which, where should I be focusing my attention? Um, So, I actually went to those that I trusted. So, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, um, New York Times, Black Enterprise, like, uh, Investopedia. Um, I started kind of looking at, like, CoinScan and, or sorry, coin market scan or cap rather um ether scan is what i was thinking about and some of those others like um platforms and and information sources that are looking at facts than they are like what's trendy at the time and and what's the hype Um, and i started to use that as a foundation for what can i trust in the news and and use it as a filter for what's crap what's a possible scam and what is something that you can actually like create income from a passive income from if you will um and yeah so i'm not saying that those sites aren't good but it's i would definitely like approach them with a little bit of caution because it's you know it's not necessarily like fact checked or data checked if you will but it is a good way to determine if you know, one, as I was saying, what the streets are saying, and then two, um, going back to the sources that you've always trusted and you felt like you could um, rely on for um, valuable and viable information.
0: Yeah, that's kind of a good uh, broader media strategy
1: yeah. <laughs> in the current environment as well. <laughs> right, right. Like, is it fake news? Is it or is it true? Um, right. Because, you know, on, on many of those, you... Um, Come across some that are that they, they might feel like they're scams or pyramid schemes or something like that. And so um, I, I did take the extra steps of: Do I feel is, is this a scam? Okay, let me look into it some more, um, and then deep dive into it. Like, is uh, is it something that's a fad? Is it something where um, the site's up for a few months and all of a sudden it's gone and down and people ran away with whatever money that they had and they're on to the next big thing? So definitely like take your caution, but I, I would. I defaulted to that, the, the sources that I trusted already.
0: That makes sense. in um, speaking of, you know, taking caution, any investment is associated with some type of a yeah. risk. So I, I do think it's an oversimplification to say that cris- crypto is the riskiest or to give any superlative. Yeah. But this is, this is definitely a new market and there's been a lot of changes in the past couple of years seen you know coins kind of rise and fall and now we have nfts and Mm -hmm. women tend to generally be more risk averse which i think might be one of the reasons why investing in crypto is not necessarily an attractive option yeah but how do you kind of assess the risk of crypto and how did you get comfortable to actually make that jump and start investing
1: um you know like most i too am actually very risk averse when it comes to finances. Um, You know, like I was saying, I worked hard for that. I don't want to just throw it away, you know? Um, So I actually approached it twofold. So one, I made it a point to get very, sorry, more familiar with financial investing as a whole. So um, if you look at like the fluctuation of crypto it rises and it falls, just like the stock market, just a lot faster, a lot more volatile. Um, so I, I made an effort just to like learn how to read the the candlestick charts and what are some of these terms and strategies that are applicable within the, if you will, most comparably, I think, is the day trading space. And then I applied those same learnings over to um, Bitcoin, or, uh, crypto, not just Bitcoin. Um, and so also along with that, I It can kind of equate it to gambling, at least I do sometimes in my own mind. And I say to myself, like, if I am going to go to a casino, I am willing to um, take the risk and lose X amount of dollars. That could be $100, $500, $1,000, whatever that you or I, in this case I, am comfortable with at that time. Then that's the amount of budget that I set for myself. And I say I'm going to, um, in this case, gamble on xyz coins for so many dollars and if they fail they totally tank that's okay because i knew in my mind up front going into this that i was willing to risk that amount and if part of it fails but then let's say another coin does really good that's okay because at that point like i'm balanced out but in that through that whole process i'm still learning what i'm comfortable with and what risk i'm willing to take in that next um investment cycle that i might do so uh Two, I hope I answered your question, but two parts to that. One, I think it's really important to educate yourself purely in just the financial space and, and going to those, as I was saying, like those resources and outlets that you trust to get your information, especially those that are more prominent within the financial space. And then two, um, if you want to jump into it, but you have fears, set yourself a budget and, and Within that budget, maybe allocate to two, three, maybe to five coins that that you feel comfortable with um, playing with, for lack of a better word, Um, and then go for it and just take the jump. At least, you know, like with this $500, I might get a thousand dollar return or I might lose 200 of it, but I'm still comfortable and I'm not setting myself up for more failure, if you will.
0: Yeah, I think that setting a budget definitely makes sense. What are some of the platforms you actually use to find coins or uh, invest in coins? Um,
1: I look at Coinbase still. Like it's it to me yeah. that was the first site that I was introduced to as an exchange for crypto. Um, and over the years they've um, been sharing a lot more information. Um, they have a multitude of resources available to um, introductory investors and those who are a little bit more advanced with their pro trading platform. Um, And then uh, separate from that, I look at, as I say, an Etherscan, um, Investopedia, uh, CoinMarketCap. Um, I look at YouTube and, and again, it's kind of one of those sites you have to be a little careful You're about very wary, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but there is, and I hope I don't butcher the name of the channel, I think it's called Crypto Infographics. Um, they not only explain how certain coins work, um, but they also dive into maybe the impact on the environment, which is something that a lot of people don't yeah. talk about, um, or um, the, the history of the coin, how it's been performing through the years, that kind of thing. Like, if you just need, like, a quick snapshot, um, YouTube can be okay. Again, approach with caution. But, um, you know, also um, something I did want to mention is that something that I started to do over the years, and especially within the last few months, is I look at, Uh, I make a point rather to look at one article a day that is related to crypto in the crypto space. So I can keep my mind fresh and and, um, through that, I've kind of learned like, okay, um, drip, (laughs) one of those where I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. Um, Drip was really big a couple of months ago. And now it's uh, from my last time I checked, it started to fall off a bit. And it's one of those like you make a lot of money really quickly and then you taper out. Um, Now there's one I was just reading um, in Medium called fishing, I think it is, fish coin. Um, And Mm -hmm. it seems like they're, I didn't read the full article, but it seems like they're following into this like farming um, sort of passive income approach, which is also something that I've been like looking into and trying to understand myself. Um, So yeah, the more abreast that, and the more that you keep your foot, at least within the space and like keep your mind fresh with it, I think that's um, the easiest way to learn about not only what's happening, but new coins that are coming out and then get a better feel for what you personally feel so like you can or cannot trust and then make your decisions that way.
0: Yeah, I think I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, this is exactly why I wanted to do it, because I have looked at Coinbase before and just sort of shut it quickly <laughs> because <laughs> I get overwhelmed. But it's it is good to. Yeah, it's good to know that it's it's possible to parse through this and, and work through it. I do actually subscribe to a good newsletter uh, written by a friend of the show, Greg Landegger, mm. called Bit Digest that uh, has all of the market fluctuations. Usually it's actually a well, it's daily Monday through Friday. And then he also puts in all of the crypto news. Um, he does like the top three stories of the day in crypto, which I find I do actually find that really helpful. That's how I learned all about the Axie Infinity hack. Actually,
1: yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> which was, Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of good things linked in there. And yeah. Wild story for any of, of you who uh, have listened to the podcast, the Lazarus heist. It's the same people. Oh, is, nice. Okay. It. Yeah. To know. It was Lazarus group again, but yeah, if, if um, you don't know what I'm talking about, I highly recommend the Lazarus heist podcast by the BBC. It is just wildly interesting on a group of cyber hackers from north korea so for those of you into cybersecurity, it's the podcast for you um but anyways back to crypto how do you see so we have all this information laid out and now everyone knows to go to coinbase for investing but how do you see the crypto market growing or shrinking in the next few years and again this isn't investment advice but more so just an opinion question about where you see the future of crypto going especially with the development of the metaverse and web three stuff and everyone and their mother is talking about blockchain here oh, yeah. there's a lot of potential but there's a lot of different ways it can go and we've seen so much negative press and then there's so many enthusiasts saying like no this is the future and i'm just kind of wondering sort of where you fall on that scale and what what the growth that you see what you're excited for is
1: um i'm definitely excited for the growth more so than i am apprehensive in any way um you're right like Web3, Meta, like that whole space is just being taken over by it. Um, but I was reading a article in the Business of Fashion, I think it was, um, about how the brand Off-White is going to start taking crypto as a payment in some of their flagship stores internationally. Oh. So I see this becoming more of a like real world um, Tinder than it is just a virtual one. But um, like even in my... Um, condo building downtown and the convenience store that's located in the bottom, they have a crypto, a Bitcoin specifically ATM machine. So, wow. Yeah. Um, so I see it like infiltrating our everyday reality more and more, especially within like the e-commerce space. Um, and anything that you're going to have to exchange Tinder for an offering of like goods or services, um, for sure. And, Oh, um, the mayor of new york isn't didn't he take like Mm -hmm. his first yeah yeah he's accepting part of his game in cryptocurrencies yeah and i just caught myself the sun is like wash me out my bad. (laughs) um but yeah i see the reality uh, sorry i see reality having a place within the crypto uh, sphere if you will um so i mean who knows maybe in three years we're going to Paying for a coffee at Starbucks with Ethereum, you know, like you—you never know. But I do definitely see more of an expansion in the use and the applications of it than I do see it dwindling, like anytime soon, ever.
0: Do you think that there'll be a few dominant coins the way Bitcoin and Ethereum are now, or do you think? I mean, I always I struggle with this comparison, but I do compare the crypto space a lot to the kind of development of social media and how I mean, it's it's kind of a usual tech cycle, right? Of there's a bunch of small players and then a few big players emerge and then they buy up the small players. And this is a cycle I've talked about in the show several times. Um, and we've seen that in the social media space. And And we're talking about a cross border good again, right? An international good, the same way social media is. Do you think that Bitcoin and Ethereum will kind of remain king? Or do you think that maybe countries will develop their own sets of cryptocurrency that are comfortable in the same way we have different forms of fiat currency like what how do you see or what do you think about how that's going to play out this is all conjecture but just for fun <laughs> both really
1: I, I do. yeah um yeah so of course I think there's going to be like the mm, three to five key players I mean just like years ago when um Visa MasterCard those cards started mm-hmm. to come out and then like now they're accepted everywhere right globally um, same thing, I think, will happen with um, Ethereum and Bitcoin for sure. I'm not sure about some of the others. Maybe Solana is having a really um, popular uptick right now, um, but I, I see both happening. So I I almost see Bitcoin and at least maybe like two to three of them becoming a global tender. Um, so when we were in uh, Africa, I think I think it was in South Africa. Um, I was hearing conversations um, down the bar from us about like how they were considering to start accepting like Bitcoin payment for, and this was a smaller business too. It sounded like how they were considering right. accepting Bitcoin payment for payment of services. Like, okay, you know, that makes a lot of sense, especially for me, American, if I'm traveling somewhere and I need to have an emergency service done on my car, or um, I'm really interested in purchasing um, souvenirs or whatever, for some reason I don't have enough local currency, if I find out that they're able to take um, Bitcoin or Ethereum or um, Cardano or something like that, great. Cause then that still means I'm able to enjoy my experience as a traveler, even if I don't have the local currency on me and that company or or business rather is still able to make their their profits and and continue on with their their journey. So I see that happening, but then also um, from the more local perspective, Companies or sorry, countries like Thailand, uh, India, China, of course, developing their own that can be used internally um, if for whatever reason the the hands on cash isn't available. So I see both happening, and then you're going to throw in the metaverse with it, and and international transactions that can come into their business meetings, if you will, and what have you. There's it's it's limitless to what could happen here, Um, and I think it can only behoove as as a global economy to start accepting it more and more as forms of payment because i think it can do more to connect us than to divide us
0: Ooh, let's talk more about that so do you think awareness to crypto helps or hinders its value and i more so mean i guess i want to talk about that in two ways first is the straight up value of it um and the second is the fluctuations in value. So do you think greater awareness or more people on board? I would imagine that that would be an aid, but I don't know the, the mechanism in, in why.
1: <laughs> um, the mechanism in why and maybe even how uh, is a little bit harder to answer. But I think if we're looking at it from a higher level perspective, like let's take Bitcoin, for example. the The price of it increased the more and more and more people became aware of it. And it's not to say that there's a direct correlation, but let's look at it from like back when I was first and getting into it, like 2012 and 2013, um, not as popular. It was roughly it was 200 two to $300 per coin. And now it's, I don't know what it is today, but it's in the thousands, right? Um, same thing. More people got familiar with it. It started to have more um, global applications. Um, Other countries started to get familiar with it. They started to mine it, farm it, stake it, and whatever else term you want to use for it. Um, And the value, even though it does fluctuate and go up and down on a daily basis, the trends, as we have seen, are still going up. So Um, I think that's that's a great example and good case study for um, what can happen the more we accept it on a global scale. And if there is just one or two that uh, turn out to be the big um, winners out of this, that's okay because it's still one or two currencies that can be used globally um, with the same exchange rate here as it would be in another country um, so that you can continue to do business and get the goods and services that you're looking for. now, how oh no <laughs> didn't get there yet. <laughs> but um I, I think that that can it can only at this stage um i hope at least cause more good than bad
0: yeah and obviously all of this is hard to actually predict um there's just yeah. there's changes every
1: day it is and probably when this comes out it's going to tank or something right <laughs> Who knows?
0: we will uh i don't know what the opposite of like crossing our fingers is like mm-hmm. knock on wood maybe yeah, cross, your fingers, <laughs> cross your Yeah, there's Not no correlation between right. this podcast and uh and crypto markets <laughs> even <laughs> accidental <laughs>
1: right hold a rabbit's foot and just hope um but- are you
0: tracking nfts in the nft market at all
1: um i haven't ventured into the nft space too much um that one you know just like bitcoin did when it first started it kind of blows me and mostly because i could still have the picture if i wanted to and i don't i don't know um but i i do see that it could have value if you're looking to create community around maybe the idea of a particular nft so the the ape one for example um Mm -hmm. i was in vegas for ces earlier this year uh, having a conversation with a investor who um had the one of the ape nfts and he was sharing how um in new york and in miami there are these like gatherings They're like event, party, meeting, gathering type hybrids only for those who have one of these NFTs. Um, yeah. And so like that was really interesting to me because it, it kind of like, creates community around one shared. Um, I consider it an asset, but one one shared piece of interest. Right. So if you're incredibly interested in fine art or digital art, uh, graphics, graffiti or whatever, you could hold Something that the rest of the community and those who are very interested in it, um, a piece that is not only a conversation starter, but something that brings you together. And then from there, you're growing um, and building conversations. And who knows what can come from that afterwards? Um, so I, I like that piece of it, but Wait. I'm not going to spend several thousand dollars on just the JPEG. Uh, I <laughs> Oh no! You're not one of those. <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't gotten there yet. That makes me so
0: sad. Well, I, I so many people have com- compared it to real art, and I also I, someone last week compared it to a Gucci handbag, which was much more um, apt for me. As in, you could own a knockoff, or you could own the real thing. Exactly. That is true, <laughs> and that's kind of a that is how I see it. And obviously, there's plenty of other affordable options in the world of purses as there is in nfts um so i think that there's you know there is the board ape yacht club level nft uh purchase and then there's smaller communities that yeah the same thing you're kind of you're part of and I made a, a self-imposed rule that if you've ever owned a Funko Pop, I don't want to know your opinion on NFTs because it's the same thing. It's a digital asset that's collectible. Um, it can be expensive or it cannot.
1: Yeah. Well, I do have a Funko Pop, but it was gifted. Ah, to me. see? It was you can't considered. make the JPEG argument. <laughs> it, was, it was a gift. Though. <laughs> but, I, but you're right, though. So I will. I will... So I'm like 25% JPEG, 75% there's something tangible here or um, sustainable, I guess, Um, because you are owning essentially the rights to have that piece of art. So Mm -hmm. in that regard, okay, I I get it, especially in like our highly digital age now um, where art is more digital than it is on a piece of canvas in most cases. So in that, yeah, I get you on that one
0: i am also excited about the prospect of converting a lot of our um documentation and uh data systems into nft and blockchain style solutions um as someone who just went through the home buying person, well i guess it's been about a year and a half since i bought a home but the mountain of paperwork i had to sign i mean it, it had to be like 300 pages it would it took like an hour just to initial things. So I, I do look forward to uh, digital ownership in, in that regard, too, of yes. replacing paper systems. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, circling back to crypto, crypto, though, we've talked about the gender gap and I've, I've given some statistics on that. But has there been anything you've directly seen or felt when it comes to your foray into crypto investing?
1: Um there there is the oh you've invested in crypto oh you like crypto well what do you know about crypto like there's that um luckily i haven't run any pure like toxicity or negativity um i hope i never do but you never know um but yeah if anything it's just more of a surprise that i even know what a coin or a token is or that i can like vaguely recap the blockchain um yeah, it's just more as a surprise that people are as informed, especially um, women in the space, are as informed as they are about it. And uh, you know, I don't mind surprising people. I don't, and I fully intend to to keep surprising in that space if that's what if that's what the uh, expectation is.
0: Yeah, and truly, I hope that eventually, the surprise will give way to a let's talk about it instead of yeah. you having to reach out and be the one that's. Let's talk about it. You know, yeah. I, I hope that things can kind of normalize. Um, and then, I don't know, the curve flattens or whatever. But yeah, it's definitely, I mean, even in the tech sector at large, I still feel like it's hard to look, look different.
1: And, um, you know, that kind of goes back to what we were saying about, like the more um, globally we are informed about true. it and able to apply it in both reality and virtual reality. Um, naturally, I think the the knowledge and um Mm -hmm. use cases from it no matter what gender is going to increase so um i guess that's another benefit of like just more exposure to it is the knowledge Mm -hmm. that comes with it and it can be shared um locally and internationally
0: and the potential innovations i suppose the more people that it's open to the more people can look at it and figure out something to do with it (laughs) right right exactly exactly that So what do you think would help more women and minorities actually feel comfortable in the crypto world? So we've talked about how good, you know, getting different nationalities and different countries on board would be, but then how do we do that? (laughs) And even at home, like, how do we do that in the U S
1: yeah. That that is a harder question to answer because I think and along with answering that we're battling, um, um, systematic um, ideals that have been put in place Um, access, which is difficult Mm -hmm. on its own, like to, to really be a player in the space. One, you've got to have good connectivity. Um, And then the basic knowledge to address the fears and the risk aversion that a lot of um, women and minorities have um, to that help them better understand that one, you're not just giving your money to a mysterious computer somewhere. Um, you actually still do own it and you still do have control over it. So I think it's to kind of, um, re-engineer the thought that goes into, um, stepping into the space and, and overcoming Mm -hmm. your fear of, um, Possibly, it is possible that you might lose some funds, Um, but at at least if you do it in a way that is managed and um, contained so that the hurt isn't as bad for the individual could help them to um, step into it more and, and, and be more adventurous as they get more comfortable and more knowledgeable with it. But I think first off, it's it's. Um, a lot of systematic things have been in place and put against them, um, access to it. And then also having the, the liquid funds to even be able to comfortably say, I'm willing to risk, um, a hundred dollars, $200, $500, a thousand dollars in order to possibly years later, um, or short, short term, depending on what kind of strategy you're taking, take that back and get the return on top of it, Um, Education, I think, is going to be very important, and and how that education knowledge is decimated across, disseminated rather across the um, the, the populations, could, has an impact as well. It's a it's a heavy question to answer, really, um, and I right. it starts with exposure, access, and knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: and you're completely right that some of it can be internal, mm-hmm. um, and you can do some work getting comfortable. I I think it's a really a smart piece of advice to just decide an amount that you're willing to lose um, as someone who I've been to Las Vegas multiple times and I've only right. ever bet $20 each time because See, same thing and I lost it both money. times and I thought damn I'd rather have the $20 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it is, it, I at least had a lot of fun that way, knowing how much I was going to lose. And mm-hmm. I'm at a point where I can probably risk more than $20, but, um, setting that expectation for yourself makes yeah. it a lot easier. Right. And you still might wind up a little sad at the end of the day, but you can, you can actually like look at it as a learning experience rather than just being sad that it's gone. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, like you're right. People go to Vegas all the time. They don't set themselves a budget and then they come home really sad um so and then also like the learning part of it that you mentioned you might lose you're right but now you know how to play for the next time
0: right yeah and that learning part is I think the if you can separate yourself out from the loss like that's the the thing to me that is the most valuable for the next time or even just to be able to talk about it or learn something from someone else even if you never wind up investing back in crypto but you eventually wind up one day opening a wallet so you can pay for your starbucks order it just makes it easier to get comfortable with the medium Mm -hmm. Um, so before we get into our last little segment i want to just summarize some of what we talked about Um, when it comes to finding the right information coinbase is the platform you suggested for uh, coin tracking and also to actually purchase buy sell uh, open a wallet through coinbase I also really liked your advice to go to media sources that you already trust. I know you mentioned Investopedia, the Wall Street Journal, some of the more storied, um, reliable, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. News services or media services. When it comes to the risk portion, we just went over this, but definitely setting a limit for yourself. Being comfortable with losing that limit and taking what you can learn from those losses or celebrating the gains um, as a way of going into the next investment. When it comes to the crypto market growing the more people that we add into the space the more it can become an international tender Uh, the more innovation we can have the more comfortable more different types of people will feel investing which just kind of opens the space to a lot more possibilities um i liked the point that you made about how there's going to be both kind of in-house uh country currencies that become popular as well as some global currencies that we all kind of rely on like Bitcoin and Ether and I think Solana was the third one that you had mentioned
1: yeah I did mention Solana
0: gotcha yeah so there's going to be that balance between kind of international ones that we sort of see everywhere but then in country ones for maybe even specific types of transactions Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of potential there yeah we talked a bit about the gender gap and how we just sort of hope that it comes to a point where people don't look at you and say, oh, I'm so surprised. And instead they say, oh, let's talk about it. (laughs) So instead of you being the one to kind of reach out and say like, hey, it's not surprising, let's talk about it, that that conversation flows. And we kind of skip over that bump at the beginning. Um, And in terms of getting more people into investing and getting them more into metaverse like experiences, just having internet access, having access to liquid income, fixing the systemic problems is really where it starts when it comes to the individual barriers, just getting comfortable in the space, um, accepting that you might lose a little, but looking at it as a learning experience rather than a loss is yeah. where those individual mindsets can come about. Um, but it's really going to take a whole lot of changes to bring people in en masse. So the last section that I like to do is a chance for you to kind of think about all the experiences you've had and give advice to folks out there who are looking to put themselves into a similar space that you're in. So the question I'd like to ask is what is one thing you would like to tell your younger self or even yourself from just two years ago about getting into crypto and being successful?
1: <laughs> just do it (laughs) (laughs) i like it (laughs) just do it stop being a wuss just that's me talking to myself um yeah that's good advice though truly yeah don't be scared of fear so you're never going to get anywhere if you you can't create change doing the same things over and over again um there's a multitude of options and opportunities that are out there within the crypto space to comfortably interject yourself. Um, You can learn this at your own pace. Uh, There's classes now, of course, I'm sure. But um, when I was in school, there wasn't, this wasn't even, this didn't even exist then. Um, So feel free, comfortable, and confident to learn at your own pace. And um, even if that means like learning a word a day, go for it. Um, learn one strategy or technique a day, learn about one coin a day, Um, and don't overwhelm yourself because there is, as we had talked about, so much information. Um, It can blow your mind and make you run for the hills. Um, But just just dive in. Um, That doesn't mean that you have to invest money like right away on day one. Get more comfortable with it. Um, Give yourself a, a foundation that you feel strong and comfortable with. And then look at the money part of it, and then look at the investing piece. Do you want to get into staking? Does that work out better for you? Do you want to um, um, start farming or um, mining? Um, Do you just want to watch and see what happens? Um, Is there, I mean, bots, something else we didn't even cover at all, but is there, like, maybe a bot that works for you and it can just manage your portfolio for you? Um, Yeah, but... Don't be scared. This isn't necessarily going away tomorrow. Um, it's probably not, in my opinion, going away in my lifetime. So it's either you get on the train now, otherwise, it's leaving you and it may possibly not come back.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah, I think we talked, we, we did talk about the systematic issues, but yeah, you know, that, that personal mindset of of getting out there. It can be hard to, to take that leap, but yeah, mm-hmm. once you do. You don't want to be like me and pass down $400 Bitcoins,
1: that's for sure. See? So, yeah, not everyone gets the opportunity to say, I missed this the first time. Let me come back the second time because that train is not always going to be there. And I think it's moving so quickly now. Like, get on board. Get on board and stay on board. You don't have to jump off. But, like, yeah.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you, follow you if you want to be found
1: and followed? Oh sure, You can find and follow me. Um, my Instagram is jennicole1. Um, you can find me on uh, CelestialBody.shop for sure. Find me there. Um, of course at Sugar Gamers, and um, you can just go to jennicole.com for all the information about the consultancy that we're working on.
0: So wonderful for all of our listeners! Be sure you leave the five star ratings and reviews. It helps other people find the show. Check out other holodeck media podcasts, including Meta Business for all the Metaverse finance stories you could ever want, and Business of Esports for interviews with industry leaders. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Lindsay Poss. You can catch me Wednesday nights on the Business of Esports Live After Show, and you can catch this podcast in your feed every Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Woman. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Woman.